Welcome to the State of Developer Education, a podcast by Major League Hacking. We explore how technical leaders are creatively tackling the developer education gap to help prepare the next generation of technologists for the real world and build businesses that can adapt to any changes in the technology ecosystem. I'm your host, John Gottfried. Welcome, everyone, to the State of Developer Education, a podcast by Major League Hacking. We explore how technical leaders are creatively tackling the developer education gap to help prepare the next generation of technologists for the real world. I'm your host, John Gottfried, co-founder of MLH, and I'm here with Wyshak Babji, a developer relations enthusiast, worked at Shippo and RingCentral, and has been in the industry for a long time. Really good to have you here today. Thanks, John, for inviting me for this podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming. I'm excited. Me too. So I'd love to start off with a little bit of background on your own journey. Well, why don't we go way back in time to the beginning? How did you actually decide to become a software engineer? Ah, yeah. So uh, it's a funny story, right? So uh, I've been in, uh, interested in computers for as long as I remember. Uh, so when I was about 13, uh, I would always take apart my uh, parents' uh, computers to see how it worked So uh, and how it performed so many tasks. And I was fascinated of, about the inner working of the PC, right? Uh, and definitely they were not happy about uh, me taking out the, the PC, looking at the motherboards and uh, hard, uh, hard drives and all that stuff, right? So uh, that's when I decided that I wanted to become a software engineer. Uh, I wanted to learn how to uh, create programs that can make computers work. And um, I set out learning everything from scratch. I started with uh, PowerPoint presentations. And then uh, in school, we started working on Fox Pro uh, programming like uh, and QBasics. I don't know if you know QBasics. Um, oh, yeah. LLR 10 and right, make the turtle turn right and left and all that stuff. It was pretty good. Uh, that's that's when I decided that, okay, so going forward, I would probably become a software engineer. Well, when you were taking apart your parents' computer, how, how much RAM did you have back then? <laughs> it's merely 64 MB, I would say. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it was about 64 MB or so. That, that's it respectable. Back in, yeah, it was way back in 2000, I believe. Yep. Yeah, I yeah. think we're probably close to the same age. I definitely uh, broke many computers at, at my parents' house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting back then how things work, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I always tell people that I was part of the last generation, and I think you were too, where to make your computer do anything remotely interesting you had to understand how it worked and how to make it do things. It wasn't very user-friendly. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So once you decided that you wanted to become a software engineer, what, what did that journey actually look like? How did you get you know, from taking apart your parents' computers to you know, having a, a job as a, as a developer? Uh, I started my schooling in India and uh, finished my schooling. Uh, and then um, I entered into a bachelor's of computer science uh, at an engineering uh, college in uh, India. 
and uh, it's a four-year work uh, work course and uh, finished my computer science engineering uh, did a lot of projects uh, did an internship at a telecom company uh, which is which is called bharat sanchar nigam limited uh, that is where i actually practically developed the android app which basically helps the traffic police uh, to uh, put a fine on violators of the parking for example or whatever right so uh, that's when i uh, i got my first uh, hands on experience as uh, as a software engineer at developing an android app and delivering it to this company and this company uh, talked to indian government and uh, they adopted this app as uh, as one of the apps for these uh, traffic cops basically so uh, after that um, i worked for this company called infosys uh, so infosys is one of the largest companies in india uh, it's a software service provider company worked there on several uh, hands on projects um, uh, on e-commerce platform and um, yeah so that was my other side of being actual software engineer uh, so i moved to us uh, did my masters uh, in san diego state joined ring central as a dev rel so that's how my so, journey started were were you able to develop an android app right out of school like how did you actually learn to do that so uh it was a group project right so uh and uh, android was pretty new back then mm-hmm. and i was always interested in uh knowing more about how android works it was fascinating for me to see that the smartphone can do so many things that a laptop or a computer can do and uh, pretty robust i would say i mean a lot of new features that were not in the previous generations of phones were available as a part of android so many apps uh i was fascinated about how these apps work as well so uh, i started learning from uh, android tutorials on google's uh, website which was free uh so coming back to same thing that the developer education related stuff right so they were pretty good uh the guides the tutorials were pretty good and that's how i started learning about android and um i i'm not a ui uh focused person i usually code a lot of back end stuff and i was pretty familiar with java back then so uh, java and android were pretty similar that's how i learned android um uh, a few of my other uh, teammates uh, built out uh, several other services i built out back end uh, related services and yeah so that's how i learned android that's awesome um Yeah, I feel like that's a really common path where, you know, people are using online resources, tutorials, learning from their teammates, uh, sort of piecing it all together to make something that that works. Right, um, right. How much of a stretch was that for you compared to what you actually learned in a computer science program? Yeah. back in school so we we used to uh, code like uh, about 100 lines. of core and usually uh, people used to uh, memorize the code and you know uh, present it as a part of assignment or a project or in the examinations right going into this uh, android world and go, um, uh, working on a actual project uh, it was a huge transition because we were i was never used to writing like uh, to uh, 2000 4000 lines of code at once 
and uh, moving from like 50, 100 lines of code, uh, working on data structures and algorithms to actual program and tying things around uh, is kind of, uh, it, it was kind of hard, but good thing is that we got about six to eight months to work on this project uh, and uh, spent a considerable amount of time, you know, figuring out how to uh, tie uh, so many different uh, set of uh, algorithms uh, uh, into one single set of program to run the Android app. So um, it was pretty difficult, but because it was not a production uh, grade code or, you know, uh, it was just our uh, another project that we wanted to work on, we, we, we spent enough time uh, just uh, tinkering around uh, different pieces of code and uh, getting it from Stack Overflow or getting it from some other sources uh, and just, you know, tailoring it around to uh, meet our requirements was what we uh, we used to do back then. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I saw that uh, after you built that app, but before you started at Wing Central, uh, you did a Google Summer of Code. Is, is that yeah. accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, I didn't really do Google Summer of Code, uh, or rather, I worked at uh, this uh, research lab called Scripps Research Lab. Uh, so there was this intern who actually participated as a part of Scripps uh, in Google Summer of Code. And um, we wanted to productionalize or rather create like a research project around it. So um, basically it was, uh, uh, it was the, the project already existed, but I re-engineered the project, uh, made sure uh, it, it it works as expected. Uh, uh, and it was basically a AI ML based project to, um, uh, to uh, figure out uh, the early signs of uh, a, a person, a human having a breast cancer, right? Yeah. So um, uh, that's what uh, I did at uh, Scripps. So I re-engineered the already existing code uh, into um, uh, actual um, uh, web service based code. Got it. That, that makes sense. So, you know, you made the transition from software engineering to developer relations. Well, why did you decide to go that direction, right? Like, I know a lot of developers want to get more and more complex in their technical organizations, maybe become a CTO one day. DevRel is a totally different career path. Um, what, what attracted you to that? So, um this is again a funny story, right? So uh, I have always been an extrovert, uh, and I have uh, I've been a tech enthusiast. Uh, being a software engineer, uh, also uh, talking to a lot of uh, my uh, peers and uh, mentoring a lot of uh, interns, uh, I was uh, pretty comfortable, or I I saw myself uh, as a person who can educate the developers. And also uh, talk to the developer community uh, with ease. And also, I uh, I have had experiences around several different uh, programming languages. Uh, so um, and this came across as an opportunity at Ring Central. As soon as I finished my master's, uh, I was uh, looking at uh, job postings, career postings, and all that stuff. And also during my uh, master's, right? So um, I actually participated in two different hackathons. And I met so many mentors over there. Uh, so one of the mentors uh, were, uh, was Neil Mansilla. So he's a VP of, um, uh, VP of DevRel at Atlassian, I believe. Yep, I know so, Neil very well. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, he was at this uh, hackathon called Active uh, Hackathon uh, uh, back in San Diego. So he was mentoring a lot of um, uh, new developers, hackers to, to you know participate in the conference. So there is this background story, right? So um, I was walking around the streets in San Diego and uh, San Diego downtown along with my friend and uh, we we saw a board saying hey come come here and hack right so i was too curious to see what it is and i went into that uh, that uh, conference room and there were so many developers sitting around and looking at stuff talking to uh, different developers and talking to uh, coders uh, and uh, I met Neil uh, over there, and um, I had no idea what it was about. Uh, so uh, I started talking to him, and he was like, hey, why don't you participate in this hackathon, right? So, um, uh, and back then, I didn't know what a hackathon was. Uh, I, I have attended a lot of conferences. I have attended a lot of events. Uh, but uh, And I didn't have a laptop back then. Or rather, when I was walking around the streets, right? So I just entered and I didn't have a a laptop. So uh, Neil was like, hey, why don't you take my laptop and start coding whatever you know. Just just start building. I can help you with it. So uh, it was a 24, 48 hours hackathon, I guess. Uh, We sat there. We spent our whole night, uh, the whole morning, and uh, we, we created a simple app. Uh, and uh, we we presented it to the panel, and we actually won second prize or wow. third, I believe. So uh, that's uh, and that is when I got to know that okay, there is this role uh, that actually exists called developer advocate evangelist of relations, uh, and that inspired me to uh, pick up or rather uh, change my uh, trajectory towards uh, from a, a software engineer into DevRel space. Wow. You know, it's funny, something very similar happened to me where I was at a hackathon, a friend of mine was working in developer, you know, evangelism, we called it. And I also had no idea that role existed until he he started like raving about how awesome it was and how you get to help people and, you know, involve yourself in all these communities. Um, that's really cool. So that so Neil was the person who convinced you to go that route. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like the best DevRel people I know, Neil included, would gladly give up their laptop to a hacker in need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he trusted us. So uh, that that was like crazy because we were two random kids walking in the street and uh, getting into the conference room and he handed over his laptop, go court. So you, you must yeah, have looked yeah, very yeah. trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that's the story. That's awesome. Um, so you know, you kind of touched on this a little bit that you always, you know, had good mentors and also enjoyed mentoring other people. You know, that's something that's a huge part of working in developer relations, right? In, in the same way that Neil, you know, sat there and helped you get up to speed at your first hackathon. I imagine you've had a lot of similar experiences with other people. You know, what have you found makes a good technical mentor? Like, what, what do you do that, you know, has, has impacted other people? Right. So uh, over the years, right, so uh, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of talented developers. I, uh, I have also uh, had a chance to serve as uh, technical mentors for new developers. So first and foremost, uh, the good mentor is very patient willing to uh, help uh, always uh, and willing to answer any questions, any sort of questions, right? 
they understand that everyone learns in their own pace and support them throughout. And um, a good mentor is always willing to share uh, uh, their own experiences and uh, correct the mistakes way early in your career path. Uh, so I, they let the developers make the mistakes, help them uh, understand how to resolve the mistakes and correct their course of path if they're going in a wrong course. Uh, so, um, um, and and uh, from my uh, my. Uh, experience, right? So, um, uh, for a software engineer, um, the, the 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 software industry keeps changing every four or five years. It's always good to uh, you know uh, adapt uh, yourself to the new technologies, new languages, or rather, be aware of what is in the industry. And whenever you can take help from your mentor. Uh, go for it. Don't hesitate to um, reach out to your mentors, ask your mentors for help. And they're always there to help you. Why is it important for someone in DevRel to even spend their time mentoring? Like in a lot of orgs, you know, you're you're a marketing function, right? How, how does mentorship and education even factor into that? So, uh, as a DevRel, right, or rather from, from my perspective, I have always been um, uh, focusing on helping developers be successful in whatever they do, right? So, uh, and it probably comes as a part of your role from your the interest uh, that you have within to uh, help mentor uh, developers. Uh, and uh, if if you see someone is struggling, right? So you want to uh, offer them with uh, any type of resources, any type of, uh, for example, um, uh, help them in changing their their thought process of how to approach the language, as well as learn from them as well, right? Uh, when 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 they are doing some mistakes and you haven't come across. So you go back and learn from their mistakes and be a better person to help another developer. So, uh, yeah, so it, it is built within, sometimes it is built within you or you are forced to uh, mentor uh, the developers in the company uh, when you're working in that role as well. So, yeah, that, that's my perspective. What do you do when someone asks for help with a competitor's product? With competitors, product. Yeah. Oh, I have always had this. Uh, uh, always had this uh, thing coming up every now and then when I was uh, working for uh, my previous company, Ring Central. Right. So back then, uh, Ring Central, uh, even though Ring Central provided uh, SMS uh, capabilities and SMS mm -hmm. solutions, uh, it was pretty. Um, uh, so the SMS capability was kind of restricted for. Uh, P2P, peer-to-peer uh, messaging services, right? And a lot of our customers wanted to um, uh, use the messaging service to marketing for marketing purposes or to run campaigns or whatever, right? And uh, I always used to say uh, that, hey, our uh, SMS service is uh, not usable for marketing purposes. Uh, now, uh, for uh, just for the information, right? So now Ring Central also provides uh, SMS capabilities for marketing, just to just a disclaimer. But um, back then, we didn't. So um, I always used to route them to uh, Twilio, uh, Twilio for uh, SMS solution. 
And uh, uh, there were instances where I had to explore the product, uh, use the product by myself, write some sample codes and applications, and maybe uh, share it with the developers when they ask, hey, uh, I, I don't know how to uh, which, which product to use. Uh, can you help me? So I would give them like two, three different options. And Twilio was, I have used Twilio during the hackathon. So I was just talking about the hackathon. So that's where I used uh, Twilio uh, SMS APIs. And uh, I, I used to uh, prepare like code samples to share with uh, the developers. So you go out of the way uh, to help these de developers whenever they require some help, even with the competitor products. So it's almost like what you're saying is like, in your role as DevRel, it is marketing, but you're not trying to like push it down people's throats, right? Like you're trying yeah, to, you to help them find the best solution. Right. As a DevRel, you never sell your company's product. You yep. just uh, make sure uh, you give them enough information about the company's product, uh, enough uh, guidance towards building out the integrations, enough help to make them successful, but at the same time, don't force them to use uh, the, the product uh, or rather, uh, you know, uh, you are not a salesperson. So that's that's something that a lot of people uh, in the industry are mistaken about. Uh, DevRel is not a sales uh, engineer. DevRel is a, uh, is a software engineer who is happy to work with the developers. Uh, help them become successful by using your product to use your product. Yeah, I completely agree. Like even at MLH, like we have a lot of different developer platforms we bring to our community and we never require anyone to use any of them, right? right. Like we see it as our, you know, uh, sort of like mission to make those platforms exciting and show people how they can be used in an interesting way and let them come to their own conclusions. You know, people are much more likely to, you know, build an affinity for a platform and continue using it into the future if they, you know, feel like they chose it for a good reason and enjoy using it and, you know, get value out of it. Not if they're just like required to use it arbitrarily. Exactly. So as you were working at RingCentral and Shippo, right, uh, we already talked a little bit about how, you know, mentoring developers is sort of uh, a requirement of the job in DevRel. Um, you know, some of that happens in person at things like hackathons, but a lot of it happens asynchronously, right? right. Things like tutorials or MOOCs or live streams. What are some of the more, ed you know, engaging educational experiences that you've either created or, or seen out in the industry? Yeah, so um, I have uh, I have supported uh, developers and partners in various different ways, right? So either by, uh, as you said, either by creating tutorials, uh, code samples, or POCs, proof of concepts, or by jumping on one-on-one -on -one calls uh, and uh, running them through your product, through your tools uh, or code samples, actually digging in deeper into their code and help uh, them figure out how to uh, actually integrate, provide the best practices, provide the guidances uh, as required, as well as going into uh, one-to-many uh, type of outreach where you uh, host the webinars or host your office hours to uh, invite these developers in one single space and try to answer all their questions in one-to-many format as well, right? 
The other part of it is conferences where you give tech talks about the new features or new functionalities where you don't go deeper into the product or the integration, but just show the capabilities of the product. So, uh, th so all these tools or all these um, one to one or one to many, uh, you can uh, you can you can bring a lot of benefit to the developer community uh, in various ways. So, uh, what has worked best for a B two B or B two B two C kind of a business like Ring Central is um, either uh, talk through webinars and approach like a group of developers who have common set of questions or common set of functionalities or uh, jump on a customer call or uh, jump uh, on a developer's uh, calls and help them out through um, running them through the integrations or running them through the code samples. And uh, your tutorials and code samples and blogs would definitely help um, individual developers who are looking for some answers. Are there any uh, developer platforms or communities that you think are uh, taking a particularly like novel approach to this? Like who, who's on the bleeding edge of educating developers? Ah, oh, so uh, there are so many uh, platforms out there, right? So uh, for example, uh, uh, Discord or uh, even your um, uh, Twilio. Twilio has a, a, a different approach towards uh, helping their developers uh, via, let's say, a, code, a gamification of uh, the program. Or, yeah, Tw Twilio Quest is quite unique. Yeah, Twilio Quest is unique. Uh, and also, uh, I have come across uh, Stripe's uh, partner uh, programs where uh, they have a different way of uh, looking at uh, uh, tackling the, the individual developers versus partner developers itself. I would say, um, so So the best source for community would be your uh, GitHub, uh, your yeah. Stack Overflow, or Reddit communities. The, uh, Reddit has a subreddit called Learning Programming, I believe, yeah. uh, Learn Programming or something. So that has a lot of uh, engagement around both uh, the pro developers and uh, new developers entering into the community who get help from the uh, that developer community itself. Yeah, I definitely think that you know Reddit and Stack Overflow are, are pretty powerful in like peer-to-peer -peer education. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Twilio Quest and Stripe because they're quite different experiences. Like Twilio right. Quest is a game to teach you how to use an API and Stripe, you know, really has interactive docs, right? But they're not necessarily gamified. Right. Um, it, it feels like the thing that unites the two of them is that they make it incredibly easy to like actually try the product, right? Like in Stripe's docs, you can make API calls right from the docs. And I've always loved that. Like, I think that's an incredible way to, to learn something. But like the technology behind all of those things is incredibly complex, right? Like having siloed virtual environments that people can make, you know, API calls in is not a, a simple technical problem. Right. And uh, also, uh, right. So just to mention this, a lot of documentation solutions like Readocly or uh, yep. your uh, readme.io, uh, these uh, documentation solutions are uh, providing built-in uh, ways to, you know, uh, input your uh, open API spec and provide uh, an interactive way to uh, interact with the APIs through the documentation solution itself, through API Explorer options, which is, which is great because 
you uh, as a developer uh, or rather uh, for a company as a developer right so uh, if you are interacting with their api you don't want to move between multiple tools uh, to try out the apis right so uh, these these set of functionalities that are embedded into the documentation solution the api reference solutions uh, but make it easy for these developers to try out the apis right from the documentation yeah I, I definitely think that's a really strong onboarding approach. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when, when you think about developer education generally, right, we've covered a lot of ground here. We covered computer science, we covered hackathons, we covered DevRel. What would you want to see change in how developers are educated? It could be a big thing, could be a small thing. Well, uh, that's an uh, interesting uh, thing, right? So um, uh, the, the, the developer education has evolved over the period of time. Uh, so uh, when I was a kid, uh, books were the main source of education. Uh, starting from books, uh, when the CD players came into picture, your uh, DVDs or CDs with Britannica and uh, whatnot, right? So all these were the source of uh, uh, your education. From there, when the internet uh, became faster, uh, Google is the source of your education. So uh, there are so many, so much of content uh, in 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 today's uh, world that it becomes hard for uh, the developers to choose or to follow which exact content to start looking into, uh, and uh, they start with it, they get bored, they jump into a new tag, they get bored, but so. For a developer, right? So, uh, if uh, for in the developer education's uh, perspective, for a developer, if you are interested in tech, it doesn't matter which language you choose, right? Learn the quirks of one single language and go deeper into it. Learn the fundamentals, uh, build your foundation around it, and then you can jump between each languages because the languages change pretty quickly the the programming languages the 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 technology itself changes pretty uh quickly so um learn the basics learn the foundation from one single source to begin with and then start expanding your uh, search for what you are looking for uh in a systematic approach uh and to to get that maybe um plan your uh your interests or rather uh, plan your um, uh, the the way you want to learn in such a way that you start from one single source and start expanding into multiple sources. And for the the SaaS companies, right? So uh, I feel that make uh, so whenever the developers come into your platform, make it easy for developers to have a quick win as soon as possible, right? So don't make it hard for developers to understand your product. First, let them play with your product, interact with your product as quickly as possible. Get that small success. And from there, go to the advanced topics and give that transition for uh, the developers to learn your product as and when they uh, move towards your advanced uh, set of uh, integrations, advanced set of uh, uh, building out the, uh, the, the, the use cases that the developer is looking for. Um, yeah, there are a lot of good uh, uh, documentation solutions, documentation tools, a lot of uh, companies that a lot of companies can learn from. Uh, how they train their developers coming into the SaaS product. Uh, but also, right, keep it simple. 
keep it simple keep it straightforward uh, to begin with and then maybe when they while they advance into your product you can you can make uh, definitely make sure uh, to make them understand things easier keep the language very simple yeah so that's my inputs on this i think that's great advice um you you reminded me of uh, a conversation i had recently with this young woman um michelle who graduated from our open source fellowship program which uh-huh. is like a 12 week immersive to you know teach people how to make contributions to major open source projects right so right, right. it's a it's a big program for for supporting the open source community and she was telling me that when she joined our program we uh asked her if she wanted to do a project that was written in ocaml mm-hmm. and she had never even heard of ocaml before but she was like sure like i'll try it out and on day one, the maintainer of this project sent mailed her a book on learning OCaml. And within like two or three weeks, she had basically read the book and was submitting pull requests on this project. Awesome. And it, like, she was basically like, hey, like I had never heard of this before. I had only written like, you know, like scripting languages, like Python, JavaScript, stuff like that. And now I feel like I can learn any programming language. Right. Like I... I you know, went through this like really difficult experience. And now I can go back and anyone asks me to do anything in any language, like I feel confident I can learn it. And I think that's a really um, like meaningful thing, right? Like you're, you're absolutely right. That doesn't really matter what language you start with, as long as you understand how to, how to learn. Right, exactly. So as a devrel, right? So you need to be a polyglot. You need to, yep. uh, you probably have to switch between languages, but that doesn't mean that you are, actually a uh, uh, actually a programmer or a developer in that particular language so yep. learn one language uh, learn it well and switching between languages is going to be pretty simple yeah I, I definitely find myself helping developers debug things in languages i've never touched before and uh, you know it's almost a different skill set than knowing how to code in that language right right yeah so uh, I, I always like to finish on kind of a, a fun note here is there any famous like developer or technologist that you would love to like take out to lunch or dinner and spend a couple hours with? Yeah. So uh, I've been a big, big fan of uh, Larry Page uh, ever since uh, I first learned about Google. Uh, I admire uh, him uh, so much that um, I, I have read a lot of, a uh, uh, lot of articles, a lot of uh, things about how he started, how he was, uh, he approached Yahoo and, whatever happened then and what are the other uh, uh, other uh, new projects that he is working on and new technologies that he is working on as well right so i would definitely want to um, you know uh, get, if i get a chance uh, take him out for uh, lunch somewhere discuss about uh, good stuff that he is working on his company is working on yeah so it's larry page awesome um, in, in reading all of the stuff about him, is there any question that's unanswered for you? Like something that you would ask him immediately? I want to know uh, from him or his perspective about what is the future of uh, AR VR or what is the future of Web3? Interesting. So yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if I've I, ever heard him say that. <laughs> yes, but uh, I'm definitely sure they are exploring uh, the Web3 and uh, blockchains and uh, you know, uh, uh, AR, VR, all these are something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. <laughs> me, me too. And 
I don't know if Larry was involved with this, but I, I used Google Glass and developed on it for quite a while. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as AR anymore, but um, I certainly thought it was pretty cool. Uh, but that's a story for another time. Anyway, thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing your perspective about DevRel and education and your own journey. Is there anywhere uh, that you'd like to direct people to to find you on the uh, internet? Yeah, so um, you can always reach out to me via LinkedIn. Uh, uh, my LinkedIn is linkedin.com slash dot uh, in slash uh, Babji. So uh, feel free to uh, ping me over there. Uh, happy to talk to you and uh, happy to help you however I can. Awesome. Well, thank you, Vaishak, uh, and happy hacking. Thank you so much, John. The State of Developer Education is brought to you by Major League Hacking or MLH. To find out more about MLH and how we power innovation, cultivate developer communities, and teach technical skills to students around the world, visit mlh.io. And then make sure to search for developer education in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at MLH, thanks for listening and helping us empower the next generation of technologists. Happy hacking.